Well, hey there, sweet peas. Welcome back to Friendless. I'm your host, James Avramako, back with a brand new episode with a very special guest, returning from the deep, dark pit of the lost early seasons, the one, the only, Darcy Haywood Stoop. Darcy and I get deep into the weeds of processing mental health, how the pandemic has changed how we connect to each other, and the healthy ego of putting your air mask on first. All that and so much more. It was so lovely to catch up with Darcy, and I think you're going to love this episode. So get ready, buckle up, set your volume at a reasonable level, and enjoy my interview with Darcy Haywood Stoop here on Friendless. This week on Friendless, I have a, a former guest, um, as we were just talking about just before, a former guest uh, from the lost season of, of Friendless. Um, the lost, <laughs> I know, I was like, I, I, I was thinking like, I need like a title for that, but I guess lost season is probably good enough. It, it as long as enough. it doesn't all like end in a church and just kind of not answer any questions about it, then it'll be an improvement. <laughs> There's no smoke monsters here, you know, but, uh, but, uh, the one, the only Darcy Haywood Stoop, how are you today? I'm, I'm surviving, man. Like that's kind of my go-to these days, feeling, <laughs> feeling good. Uh, yeah, got an x-ray on my cervical spine this afternoon because I might have like a damaged spine. So, oh. you know, keeping it uh, variety, keeping it, uh, keeping it different, keeping it tight. Yeah. How about you? How are you doing? I'm, I'm good, man. You know, I, I, it's funny. I, you know, I work uh, ridiculous hours. I work like 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. because uh, I work on Ontario hours. Um, um, I love the work, but the hours are just fucking killer. But um, by the time it hits like three, four in the afternoon, I'm sort of in a bit of a manic state, you know? Mm. So I'm like, I'm great. Everything's fine. I can't feel my face. It's fine. I, whatever, (laughs) you know, I'm going to melt it about it. We're going to interview and I'm going to lay down on the couch and just like pretend to watch a movie. But really, I'll be staring like behind the TV at just at the wall, you know? Yeah. And Sound of Silence will play in the background. <laughs> as, as my eyes slowly creep in two directions, you know? <laughs> um, so, okay. Well, listen, I mean, you're, you're bringing it up. I mean, the fact that you're mentioning a, a, a spinal injury and you're sitting is already, like, that. I feel like that's a, a, a sign of something, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of been a theme for me for the last few years and especially like recently like we've talked we talked a little bit about before we started recording um i'm currently on long-term disability yeah um not for the spine thing that's new and exciting oh, um that's uh it's more mental health related mm. um i've got myself into a pattern of like just repress until it becomes a tumor um and yeah. decided that was that was too much to go off of so i'm just really looking at things that i've been cognizant of but not really doing anything about for years like mm-hmm. my my neck and my shoulders have been like bubble wrap for mm-hmm. ever um and i was chatting with a guy uh, we were at a barbecue last weekend and i just met him face to face for the first time he's like yeah i'm missing a, a vertebrae in my in my neck because i had like creaky cracky neck and then one day I went to the doctor and they're like oh shit you have a hairline fracture like we're gonna have to do a whole bunch of surgery and was like I don't want that so popped on down to the doctor and he's like yeah we can do we'll do an x-ray this afternoon no problem it's probably not that but I mean you don't want to don't want to dick around with the yeah yeah, spinal injury but the the bulk of of what uh what I've been focusing on has been mental health Mm -hmm. and it's been like if 
even before the pandemic and of course exasperated by the pandemic like i've been aware of the fact that i'm not exactly functioning the same way that other folks function and maybe not doing my best and like I've had OCD for over 20 years now, mm-hmm. um, and I briefly flirted with uh, the idea of doing something about it at the end of high school when I was like, ah, I'm an adult now. I don't know what to do. People yeah. are going to take me seriously, and I don't know shit. But little did I know, they wouldn't take me. They still don't take me seriously. <laughs> Why would I want to be taken seriously? That sounds boring. Yes, yes. Yeah, but uh, sorry, try to, I'll try to keep the story short. No, um, I'm loving I, this. I Please, like, just go. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so 2019, I was just like, work was getting really stressful. We had a bunch of people leave and a bunch of just random things happen. Like we uh, are in the business and in capitalism where everything just like the grow and run philosophies have uh, have some distance between them. So they're like, oh, yeah, sign the client, sign the client, sign the clients. Mm-hmm. Now, can I have more friends to help run with the clients? Like, nah, you got this. It was like, yeah cool so i took that as a challenge because i have like former gifted kid syndrome of being like yeah everything's a challenge i can either do it or i don't mm-hmm. um, and then it's and then it's me and then it's a, it's quality of me if i don't do it it's not that the workload was unreasonable or insurmountable it was that i'm a failure and i yeah. should have been good enough yeah yeah i sh- i'm a piece of shit and i should just uh you know wallow in the gutter mm-hmm. in a pool of my own crapulence um mm-hmm. But starting, I was starting to think that that maybe wasn't true. Uh, <laughs> my brain maybe was lying to me. So, like, I started uh, therapy and SSRIs mm. four years ago. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I would recommend anybody who's even remotely thinking about speaking to a therapist or even just feeling out what it's like mm-hmm. to, to do it, to pull the trigger um, and to not get like discouraged if you go through two, three, four therapists before you find someone that you vibe with. Cause yes. I've talked to a number of people um, and I'm in a good place now with someone that I trust, which is mm-hmm. obviously very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm also fine spilling all, spilling my guts on a podcast for Amen. the world to hear. So, you know, open book. Whatever. All over the place. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So did the therapy, did the SSRIs pandemic hit. Our team of eight people got cut down to a team of two doing the work of like eight people. It was like, cool, that's awesome. Uh, And then as we were coming out of lockdowns and stuff, um, they kind of just expected that level of responsibility to continue when everything else was like really ramping up. So it's like, okay, this is not cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my wife, Kat, uh, actually found uh, a, a poster on the subway that was like, do you have OCD and are taking SSRIs? We want to hear from you. It was like, sure. Yeah. Uh, so I got involved in a stage three clinical drug trial for a uh, an OCD medication that uh, has not quite hit the market, but I've been, I did an initial like double blind study of that, uh, came out of that and then I'm on a two-year maintenance study where they for sure are giving me the real thing. Um, so it's it's been it's been a wild and wacky ride uh, doing that. So I've had a couple of psychiatrists that are involved in that be like, "Hey, man, we think you're really underselling what's going on with you. We think mm-hmm. like let's let's tackle this OCD bit, but I think there's other stuff here." Mm-hmm. Um, and then I talked to my I talked to my therapist a bunch, and she's just like, 
you need to like we want to drill down into the anxiety the depressed mood the whatever it is that's been going on for long enough that it's it it's hard to separate the disease from who i am yes like the mental illness from the personality it's like oh but the the worry makes me my myself no no that Mm -hmm. you know it fucking doesn't like there's a a level of of fear and worry and anxiety that is beneficial Mm -hmm. it's like the same thing of the pain receptors being like okay don't touch the hot stove yes but with like there's so much frou-frou like performative mental health stuff going out there that's just like you should be calm and zen all the time forever nothing will ever hurt you on this pillow cloud that you're lounging on just like no that's not realistic um and uh going back to the work stuff like talking to the therapists like we need to dig down deep and like really get into the meat of the foundation of who you are as a person and what needs to change. Mm. But we can't reach that foundation because every time we talk, there's this layer of pollution that is the stress of work life and, and everything that the drama of the like interpersonal colleague stuff and the client stuff and just the ridiculous hours and things. So she's like, I really would recommend that you look into short-term disability. And I was like, okay, I guess I will. Um, so I like talked to my boss, talked to HR, and they were just like, "Oh, you should be on disability." Like they did an interview with me through uh, through the insurance, and they're like, "Oh, you should you should stop working right now. Like it's three p.m. Can you like ride it out till five and then get the hell out?" Wow. Uh, which was something like I'm still a little weird about. Like sure. I'm still like, "Oh, but surely I'm not ill enough to need help. Surely I don't need like there are other things in the world so much worse." Yeah, like I just yeah. need like to take the air by the seaside mm-hmm. for a month and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm still like cognitively, I get it's in my brain that I that that's ridiculous, but feeling it in my bones is Mm. so much harder. Um, So initially it was like a six week uh, short-term disability. And I thought, oh, six weeks, I'll be back in like two weeks. And Kat sat me down and was like, if you put a time limit on it and you say, hey, I'm gonna be back in two weeks, they're just gonna basically band-aid over on the work side and then just you'll be right back where you started. You'll be doing the exact same thing. So don't- And it'll be worse, right? And it'll be worse. If you repress, everything grows right that's how emotions grow is through pressure right right (laughs) and they're just compressed into a diamond or fossil fuels by the end of it um and yeah so it was like okay that makes sense and then it sort of grew and there was a whole song and dance with being sort of punted from one case manager to another to another um, there was five weeks where I didn't have income at all because they hurt their derps and didn't have all the forms ready it was a thing, but uh, they really recently... great for for uh, for like for mental health. Really, yeah. Great to be unemployed for a month and a half, you know. Yeah, sure just that like, was awesome for your anxiety. <laughs> super good, and like one of the one of the case managers, like the first case manager, went on mat leave. That happens, <laughs> fine, no problem. Sure, sure. But yeah. nobody thought to tell me, so yeah. like she's like, you need to have your therapist fill out this form, and your psychiatrist needs to request this ROI request for information for the medical stuff and it all needs to come here and it needs to be done by this date and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then I'm trying to send these things and like the email bounces back. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll call the case manager numbers out of service. Like, great, cool. Yeah. yeah. Love that for me. Um, so it was just a super stressful rigmarole. And the person that they punted me to, we had one co- phone conversation where she basically told me that I wasn't doing things right. It's like, cool. I'm not, I'm not, 
being disabled correctly like is that what you're saying how does that even fucking anyway sorry lots of f-bombs today Uh, yeah um and eventually it became clear that this lady that being a case manager was not her not alone not her not just not her forte but not her actual job gotcha so like they were strapped a thing i was okay yeah yeah yeah. uh, the what is that called the 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 manushka dolls of (laughs) yeah Yeah, little babushkas um oh man and then she was asking me to do all of these forms and things and like my doctors like this is not on you like okay so they're they're not approving you for stuff they're not listening to you they're making you do all the admin like that's making it worse mm-hmm. so eventually turned it around they got note case notes from my psychiatrist and uh and from my therapist and from my doctor and then they were like oh oh you're pre-approved for long-term disability i'm so sorry here's your new uh, case manager and i was just like what did what did they say what's in those notes <laughs> the secret sauce boy is ill <laughs> boy is not well and like it's yeah so that's i'll long short version of of how i've gotten to where i am and then yeah just like looking at other things that i've put off like my posture and my mm-hmm. rickety back a bit now I'm, we're doing x-rays fuck i'm i'm like you, you've touched on so many things that i want to dive into and i i i you've made my brain like spiderweb in so many different directions i we, i want to double back on some stuff because yeah. you know you were talking about at the start about the idea of like, I mean, first of all, I think I want to circle back to the idea of the therapy and the idea of like the gifted child syndrome and this thing of there's this very, uh, uh, what's this, this very pronounced pipeline that's happening right now that I think a lot of people are waking up to. And I think it might be a little misconstrued sometimes because it's becoming sort of like social media fied in that like it's getting memeified of like mm-hmm. were you a gifted child you probably are autistic and and you and, could be entitled to compensation yeah and it's sort of like it's there and i think that those things are real but like you know um there's there's this real danger in self-diagnosis alone um mm-hmm. i i believe in it i really do because i do think like nobody really knows your body more than you but i caveat that with if you're doing genuine research, like if you're, if you're, um, if you're just watching a TikTok, that's a really good, like that, that to me feels like the diving board, you know, yeah. but you're not actually in the pool, you know? And so like, you've really got to actually get into it. And, and I'm curious where, like, you know, you're talking about the like, four years ago, you were starting the therapy and starting the initial medication. Um, also, I really want to hear about this blind study because I've mm. never met anybody who's done one. So I want to, in that but um yeah but um you know when you were starting was it coming out of like uh, i guess tiktok wasn't really necessarily a thing but like was it coming out of like seeing stuff and being like i kind of relate to that or or what was the sort of initial impulse to to um to start working through that professionally um there were a lot of getting hit from a lot of angles uh but i think the thing that pushed me the firmest or like was the most like the most uh, direct um, cause was just uh, a couple of my friends really opened up about having been on SSRIs and mm. talking through therapy and doing all of that stuff. Um, and like I'd known people sort of 
vicariously that it or in like in from an arm's length that had that had done these sorts of things but i hadn't i didn't know anybody that like was within my immediate like tight-knit circle um and once that sort of we we broke that barrier it was what they were saying was making a lot of sense and was really like i was seeing how it was helping them so it's like there's no harm in in trying yes well, and that's just it too. I think that there's this, you know, there's obviously there's uh, a social stigma around medication because mm-hmm. of the, but you know, there's very real potential for abuse. There's also just like stigma of any kind of drug of any kind is sort of like poo pooed. You're supposed to be able to bootstrap yourself out of mental mm. health. It's just a chemical disorder, and it's like no, no, that's not what it is at all. Actually, you know, um, but um, I think what you're doing and, you know, what, what your friends demonstrated, what you're demonstrating right now and what I try to be a big, big advocate for as well is like talking about medication use. And I think that there's absolutely no shame in medication. It's it's not, you know, I think in my experience, medication is not like the be all end all. But if it's what you need right now do it you know mm-hmm. like there's no there it, it's not even that there's no shame because that's like a given but it's also like it's not forever if if, if mm-hmm. someone is worried about like well i'll always be on this pill it's like no you need every tool you can get and every help you can get right now so why not use every tool you can you know like mm-hmm. I, I always think of it like a toolbox where it's like Okay, so you have a you have a plank of wood and you got some nails and you're looking at your toolbox and you're like, nah, I think I'll use the saw, you know? <laughs> and it's like, no, fuck's sake, you know? Yeah. Like you got a hammer right there, fucking swallow it down, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, and that's and that's totally totally part of it. Totally like being in a place of distress where I finally was able to be like, I need help. Something needs to change. Um, and my first instinct was like, okay, well, we're going to, we'll try this medication. That's going to take a couple months to really, um, reach a, a, an effective dosage and we'll start talk therapy, but I'm also going to do this like self-guided program. And then I'm going to do mm-hmm. this other thing. I'm going to do meditation and mindfulness and I'm going to change my whole life. It's like, well, that's not really realistic. No. Um, anything that you try to do like cold Turkey like that, or the opposite like live turkey turkey. i was gonna say full turkey i don't know full turkey full send um (laughs) um, it's just it's not sustainable because you need incremental um steps to really make changes and improvements in in habits and in in anything in life and the other um sort of potential downside is you throw all of this spaghetti at the wall and some of it sticks mm. but you've done it all at once so you don't know what's helping yes so like there's a there's a temptation to be like okay we'll throw everything and then we'll slowly take things out and then we'll find out what's working mm-hmm. it's like well you just throw I, one noodle at a time yeah you yeah. do you do one noodle at a time and like i'm actually as of a couple weeks ago on a second ssri mm. um which like it's a whole big thing about the the um clinical trials like mm-hmm. okay we need to maintain the level of any medication you were on at the beginning of the study because we need you know we need it controls is, we need yeah. to know what's going on with you but they built in sort of this clause that because you're a psychiatric patient um you may need additional medication once we've sort of hit a level yeah uh, with this with this trial medication and it's, you need something else, mm-hmm. your doctor is, is the expert and can talk with you and, and 
add more things. So we we couldn't get rid of we couldn't like reduce or remove what I was on before. But like, oh, you've got maybe like some side effects of like constant fatigue and all of that, which could be which is the one of the fun ones because it could be depression, it could be anxiety, it could be from your bad diet and lack of exercise or it could be from these pills but here's these other pills that do the opposite thing so we'll try to you know cancel each other out uh well that's you know like just swing back real quick before we move on past it because i think that you're tapping into something that's so important is this idea of like you know like you talked about like throwing the whole spaghetti at the wall and stuff and it's like you know i really come to realize in my own journey that like when people say something like people don't change um, I think that's coming from the experience of either trying it yourself or watching people do what you're describing, which is trying to change everything at once. And what I've really come to realize is that like, if I'm going to unpack, you know, I just turned 36. So it's like, if I'm, if my goal is just to get to net zero, I'm technically going to be working for at least 36 years just to reach, you know, neutral from mm. all the experiences beforehand. Um, and, and that's one of the things that's really, I think, very intimidating and very, very disheartening about, you know, addressing whether it's personality disorders, whether it's, you know, traumas or just, you know, being alive is that like, it, it is a perfect word for it. It's incremental and it's not, um, it's not something that actually sticks is the other frustrating thing because those instincts and those, those initial built in triggers and behaviors are those are in your bones you learned those before you learned words and so mm. like you know i will always have to maintain a, a level of vigilance against my like anxious attachment and against my you know my my certain traits that that i learned you know because of how i was raised and so it's mm. like before i was even verbal i had these fears how the fuck am I supposed to read a book and suddenly be fixed, right? Yeah. Um, but then conversely, on the same time, it's like if you do break it down into little chunks and you do, you know, I love I love the image of just like one noodle at a time and you make sure that noodle sticks, you know, and you just really focus on that and you accept that the rest of it, like that bowl of noodles isn't going anywhere, you know, like and that's OK because, you know. Um, and this is my element of like of medication is that like for me from, you know, so I, I have confirmed ADHD. I have like self-diagnosed, but like very um, like I, my therapist concurs that like I'm on the spectrum. I'm autistic. I'm just I'm saving up for the official diagnosis because it's fucking expensive. <laughs> Maybe for Christmas. Literally. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, taking the Adderall that I take, it doesn't it's not that it fixes me because my brain isn't broken like i'm not broken for being on the spectrum someone isn't broken for having a a, a personality disorder or having depression or something these are not defects you know mm. and so like when when we're building up tolerance to them and we're building up strategies around them if we if we frame it instead of being like i'm broken i'm bad i have to fix me it's okay well these instincts aren't helping me right now so i'd like to try and address them to try and help myself more you know um and just removing that shame and that pain and that you know like it's it's really to me that's the baseline stuff to really address and then and then kind of bloom from there right um 
totally you know because yeah like i'm yeah i'm addressing one thing at a time and recognizing all that other stuff it's always it's, it's gonna keep being there and it'll be frustrating and like you know my time blindness i'd love to address but it's not coming along <laughs> and and so i'll get to it when i can you know yeah. and and fuck it right and like yeah like you i like what you're saying about like getting a net zero and like having mm. it puts in perspective the amount of time that you have that you take like I'm not saying you should take any time for granted, but like it's been really difficult for me to really get into my bones the fact that it's a process, that it's yes. a journey, that it's a multi-month, multi-year, multi-every like rest of my life yeah. uh, kind of a thing. And like going back to a little bit of the sort of black and white thinking that comes with uh, having not... a, like a gifted background or having done well at school or being recognized for any mm -hmm. sort of um, skill or uh, anything off of the D D character sheet that like mm -hmm. you start to take as your identity when that yeah. starts to go away you're like oh no what who what am i yeah. and what's going yeah. on and changing the conversation and recognizing that it's not a template cookie cutter boilerplate kind of a thing mm -hmm. is really a good starting point like even even with the short-term and long-term disability forms that I've been filling out, a lot of it has been boilerplate of like, okay, um, you have, if you've broken your leg, then you need X amount of time. You need, maybe you need to get it set. And then you're this much time in a cast and then this much time in physio, and then you're all better. And it's treating the brain that way. Yeah. And instead of saying like, it's either good or it's bad, mm -hmm. just like, how do we, how do we, fit you with tools so that you can navigate your own waters and and come to a place where you can be like comfortable in your skin and yeah. and give the best of yourself to whatever you're doing like hobbies community friends mm -hmm. work all of that stuff my therapist chastised me the day she said like you realize that the point of all this is not to get you back to work as soon as possible yeah. i know the insurance people think that because they don't want to pay you yes but it's it's working on you and uh i love what you said about just um it's forever like it's a thing that's not going away and it's not a bad thing mm -hmm. it's something that's just like it's the fear of uncertainty is at the core of so much anxiety and the uncertainty yep. about the anxiety mm -hmm. makes it sort of this like vicious yep. cycle uh one of the best just thinking about it while you're talking one of the best um examples i can think of um in recent culture of just the way to treat or to um to approach long-term illness is the babadook mm. uh gay icon the babadook for some reason but like you just spoilers yeah. for the babadook by the way you've had what nine <laughs> years to watch it like come on super uh, gay <laughs> super gay that's what it is it's all it's a gay panic film um and y'all should see it um yeah it's it's basically at the end of the film the monster doesn't go away mm -hmm. it's, it's just sort of confined to the basement and every once in a while um the protagonist has to go down there and and feed it and just mm -hmm. like talk to it but it's no longer this all-consuming fear looming large over every aspect of life with no no explanation nothing to nothing to use against it just just living in fear of this horrible thing that's gonna take everything from you it's more like okay i've i've you know held my sword up to the to the monster and now it's a pet in my basement yeah um but it doesn't it's not just a vanquishing it's it's an, an adaptation 
it's accepting it, right? You know, yeah. and that's 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 something I work on with my therapist. I wanted to say really quick, actually, one thing I was thinking about in terms of like this idea of like um, uh, someone I know. I'm not going to name them directly because I don't know if they'd be comfortable with me like identifying them in this story. But mm -hmm. they talked about one of the first um, sessions they had with their therapist, and and they were like talking about how they were going to get through it, and and the therapist was like, "Oh, so you think you can beat?" therapy is what you're saying right you know it's like this isn't a game this is this is your life you know and i think linked to that is this idea i think one of the most psychologically damaging sentences we've ever introduced to society in general is carpe diem like mm -hmm. i think i think the idea of seize the day is one of the most destructive toxic awful sentiments that we could push on people you know of like every day matters it's like no fuck no like some days all you do is breathe and that's yeah. fucking great that's fucking great. Those are, those are great days. Like honestly, you know, and like, and like, to me, a carpe diem mentality is more like, live every day. I'm not. Yeah. It's not about like seizing it. It's like, yeah, sur survive every day. If that's all you can do, that's like, it's not just good enough. It's better than that, you know. Yeah. Or, or actually, no, I don't want to pedestal stuff. So it's, it's, it is good enough, <laughs> and that's what's good. Is just that it's good enough, you know. And, and we yeah. don't need, we don't need being special. We don't need being. Nothing is all good. Nothing's all bad. Nothing's perfect. Nothing's pure evil. Shit just is, you know? And that's a big element of what I work on with my therapist is, is these ideas of, like, there's no actual meaning other than what we give to the experience afterwards. And, and also the idea of integration is these, these you know, the, we personify my emotions in therapy. So he literally at times has gotten me to like act out. He's like, okay, I want like sad James to talk to angry James. And I want you to like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's never with the intention of like, okay, angry James, you are banished. You know, it's like you, it's actually, it's, it's the process of like, he gets me to thank them. He gets me to thank angry James because he did his job. He protected me, you know, he protected me when he needed to. And, and he did a really good job. And, and I'm alive today in part because of the work that Angry James did. But, mm -hmm. but he can take a break now. Get a coffee. Yeah. You know, like, yes, you'll still be around. They'll all still be here. Angry James, Sad James, Frustrated James, all of them, they're always going to be there. But, like, take a, take a time out, you know? Yeah. And, like, I'll, I'll call on you if, you need, if I need you. Or, like, better yet, I'll even put you to work in a different direction but like but right now where we're putting that energy isn't serving either of us so like you know and and i don't know i just love i love the framing of like nothing about me is broken you know nothing about me is wrong it's 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 maybe misdirected but mm -hmm. like that's okay you know that just means i can go oh okay cool i'll focus over here now <laughs> you know yeah totally and and being getting in touch with all of those parts of you and how they can turn into the megazord that is james or darcy or what have you yes. it's a very very important skill that not a lot of people and not a lot of places in our in our like general society really uh focus on it's no. it is very binary black and white thinking mm -hmm. it's a lot of good or bad yes or no mm -hmm. um and uh, it's it's such a seismic shift in thinking mm -hmm. that it's it's taken a while. Like I can say it, I can say it to myself in the mirror or or what have you. Say it on a podcast, but yeah. I'm still gonna walk away in like half an hour and be like, oh man, all those things I said. Let's throw them away. Let's beat ourselves up some more. Let's yep. 
do whatever. And, and yeah, some of the days, like you said, it's just surviving. It's mm-hmm. just, okay, we had like a step, like yesterday was a great day. And then today, you know, we lay on the floor um, and just groaned for and a that's while. Not a regression. And that's, no, you know, exactly. The there's no, you know, something my therapist is always on about is that there's no backsliding. There's no such thing as backsliding. Like, because you, you're not, go, you're not going backwards. That's physically impossible. Everything is just forward movement. And so mm-hmm. it's like, it's not that you're backsliding. It's that that's your energy level today. You know, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Wild. I know. I know. I yeah. God bless him, Scott. Scott, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want to come to one of the kind of core questions that um, y- you've actually kind of touched a few points onto already, but like, I, I you know, um, I think that it really plays into, you know, what I know my journey is and what it sounds like a lot of what your journey is, is, is these questions of how am I showing up and how are people around me showing up? And, you know, at the baseline of that is the spirit of this show, which is what is a friend and, mm-hmm. And, you know, you've you've been on the show before and I can't remember if we talked directly about this. We might have been on before I started developing these these core questions. But um, but, you know, I really realized through this show that um, so much of my life has been spent questioning whether or not I'm a good friend. And 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 if I'm going to answer that question, you know, what the fuck even is a friend, you know, and uh and the answers to this question are always so fascinating to me. And so I'll, I'll put to you, not remembering if I put it to you last time or not, but uh, but I'll, I'll put it to you, right? I think it was before, but- It uh, was but pre-Panini, so like- Exactly, exactly, right? Knows? I had a whole I had a whole spiritual awakening, you know? I got divorced, <laughs> I had a whole, it was a whole thing. Um, but I'll, I'll put the big question to you now of, um, to you, what does it mean to be a friend? So I thought about a couple of different ways to go about this. The first thing that sort of came to mind was uh, someone that has, with whom you have a level of trust that you can be honest. And it doesn't mean you're brutally honest about everything all the time and be like, hey, you cut your hair and it looks like shit. I hate you. Um, it's it's just like a level of honesty that fits the friendship. Like there are some people um, that I play sports with or do things with that are like, when we're in that mode, they're like, your your serve was garbage today and here's how you're going to fix it and i'm just like oh they hate me but that's not how it works then we go have a beer and it's just everything's fine Mm -hmm. um and uh the other sort of piece is just the i think a friend is someone who wants nothing who doesn't want anything from you other than your presence Mm. and your your companionship like a lot of um a lot of the interactions that I've had during the lockdown and, and since have been very much like, oh my God, I haven't been able to see this person in, in two, three years. So we have to catch up on everything. And then we just end up like sitting on the couch playing Mario Kart for two hours. and just like, ah, this is nice. This is yeah. the thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, just having that contact and being someone who like, 
looking at the two of us, for example, like we haven't spoken probably since the last time I was on the show four years ago or whatever Literally. it was. Yeah. And and I still I think of you often and fondly. It was just like if if James and I were in the same place at the same time, we'd probably nope. have a big old squish, a big old hug, exactly. grab a drink or a whatever and and it just pick up where we left off. Exactly. Um and and I think that's because we've never I've never gotten the impression that there was anything required of me to have a, a conversation with you. Like I'm not mm-hmm. trying to unlock, put in the right pin code to unlock the the knowledge of the world or the connections. And it gets so tricky. I coming from theater school, like there's mm-hmm. so much layered into every conversation it mm-hmm. seems. And then I worked in marketing for three years, which is horrible. Would not advise. Like there are people who can do it and do it well. I'm not one of them. Coded um, language. Just, the coded language and just everything being this dance just like that's just talk mm-hmm. it's just talk and mm-hmm. yeah and like there are friends that i've had like friendships that have burned really really bright for like two years three years and then all of a sudden they we drift apart and that part of our lives is over and we we may never speak again and that doesn't take away from the friendship that we had and there are also friendships that like are dormant i don't see either people i haven't seen since my wedding eight years ago mm-hmm. who if i called them up or they called me up which it's two-way street neither of us have done it yeah. um but if we were to pick up that phone we i know we'd pick up just where we left off so yeah. all this to say like you you find that connection with someone and just their presence whether it's um and people have different levels of comfort with like in-person scenarios, especially after lockdown, just being like, you don't have to physically be there, but just like a quick text or like a meme or like a, Hey, this, uh, I saw this picture of a panda bear that's brown and white. And it reminded me of you. Yep. Yep. Sure. Cool. That's great. The, um, the, you know, the idea of like, I love the idea of like dormant friends and and the the ins and outs and it almost links back to what we were talking about something I was I, I I sort of forgot to 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 mention but it but it's what you were bringing up was this idea of tolerance right you were talking about like I'm gonna have this feeling and then later that feeling's not gonna be there and so did that feeling matter but you've actually just described the exact same thing which proves the point where you were like I had this friendship and it was really good and it's not that we're not friends anymore. It's just that they're not in my life right now. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what tolerance building is. It's about being like, this stuff comes and goes. And I won't always be in love. I won't always be angry. I won't always be sad. I won't always be whatever. It'll be what it is in the moment. And, and I'll do my best to like hold judgment for just it. For just what it is in the vacuum of the moment. And, mm-hmm. and not compare it and not put weight on it and and just enjoy and and the more you kind of remove judgments the more you know the higher your tolerance becomes for these things you know and 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 i think actually friendship ends up being a really great kind of litmus test for it of like um because i agree wholeheartedly like i yeah you're right i don't think we've spoken since but you know we picked up the call and instantly it's like we had talked yesterday you know (laughs) and 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 i think that uh, like I know I you know I don't want to prescribe something for you but it's like I can do it for the straw man who's potentially listening or I can do it for myself but it's like I think you know leaning into that feeling and trusting that feeling is really helpful to build tolerance for these uncertainties right and and 
it's really become one of the cores of this show is recognizing that, um, you know, I can't be in touch with everybody I've ever known as much as I, I want to. I can't, I can't touch base with people who I'm in regular contact with as much as I want to. Um, but what I can offer is like one hour where I like remind them that they're loved by me. And, and if that's the last time we speak, I mean, it's, it's not that that sucks because like, well, we got a fucking killer hour and, and we're both not dead right now. So like it could happen again, you know, but removing that, like, like you say, the black and whites, the always nevers, the like, well, when we hang up, we'll never speak again, or we'll always speak. It's like, no, it's just, you know, and, and I, I love that. I I love leaning into that part of the uncertainty because so much uncertainty is painful yeah oh there's so there's so many things to be scared of and to be uncertain about and to spiral over Mm -hmm. and like just having like a comfortable casual like interaction with someone to being like there's no stakes there's no anything at all we're not layering uh uh, the rest of our lives and the rest of our friendship on this one moment in time it's just like hey how you doing Mm -hmm. um and yeah, I think I think that I, I wish I'd learned that earlier because I was very <laughs> much a person who would overthink and spiral and still sure. am. Sure. I was like, oh my God, what if I, I put my like hand on the table too close to them and they'll think I'm hitting on them and now the friendship is ruined. It's like yeah. uh, no. 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 No one no one thinks about you as much as you do. Nope. And what other people there's a lovely RuPaul thing uh that I've tried to it um incorporate into my day-to-day life it's like what other people think of me is none of my business amen that's exactly right yep i love that i love that so much because you're absolutely right you know it's it's you know how how you're perceived in the world isn't up to you you can only just do what you do you know and as long as it's coming from authenticity and and it doesn't even have to come from love but that helps but it's like you know because if if you're authentically angry then fuck yeah let it out baby you know but yeah like but it's like if if it's authentic then let it rip you know and and the people who do who respond will respond to the people who don't won't and both are not better or worse than the other you know yeah and it's it's like we were talking about with work like it's it's you take on the um take on the mantle and over like uh, commit yourself to making it a pass fail kind of a test a situation where you're like okay i meet this like i approach every person as like potential friend and then mm-hmm. until proven otherwise mm-hmm. um and it, it set me up for a lot of stressful conversations that should have been much more enjoyable it was just like okay mm-hmm. have i passed yet do i get an a in friendship do i get an a in therapy like all yep. of that kind of bullshit yep. Yep. um and it's it's really it's really liberating to be like, oh, I met a bunch of people at this barbecue the other day. And like, we did some people I didn't agree with on anything that doesn't, that's not a negative value judgment on them or on me. It's just like, we're not, you know, meant to be friends from this conversation. And that's not a failing on either side. Mm -hmm. It's, it's better. Like it, yeah. Like being, being around people or forcing like, shoving yourself into a into an uncomfortable position physically or mentally for the sake of another person it's just it's just no it's it's not sustainable it's not good it's gonna Um, hurt everyone involved it's gonna hurt everybody yeah and yeah i just another thing that i wish i'd realized much uh much sooner especially going through theater school my 
God. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, uh, the nice thing is that you have it now. So you yeah. can, you can just add it to the toolbox going forward, you know, like it's, it's, you know, yeah, nobody knows when their time is up, but it's like, that's why I, I it, it links to my whole resentment of Carpe Diem where it's like, well, I'm just going to live however much I do get. And like, and, and I'll keep learning, I'll keep adding stuff and I'll apply it as much as I can going forward and I'll get the time I get and that'll be what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And the best part is when it's over, I won't know, I'll be dead, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um. You know, the whole idea of friendship, this is how this is why I've kind of, you know, added in this new community question, because it feels like to me, friendship is a sort of like a one on one connection. And then the idea of community builds out of that. You then are making multiple connections. And, and you know, as I've been saying this season, community is this term that I've been hearing so much recently, you know, in so many different contexts. And and it's one of those funny words that has a very clear definition and also can be very like internally nebulous and yeah and and i don't really know what what i personally define it as but um i'm really curious you know when you hear the word community what does that mean to you it means they should have stopped after season three um (laughs) no uh six wasn't bad okay i actually really like season six season six wasn't too bad but there were yeah anyway that was a slog (laughs) we're we're hitting all of the the The, top shows of the last 20 years (laughs) the floor has love episode when when donald glover leaves it was actually pretty fucking great but you know anyway that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) gonna have to do some rewatching tonight um yeah yeah, community like there's sort of two two pieces that come to mind again on that and one of them is like community i get i hear thrown around a lot in a bunch of the fandoms that i'm a part of like it's you're part of the uh and it extends beyond that like you're i rediscovered through lockdown that i'm a huge nerd and like to play magic the gathering um sorry i didn't discover i've known it's been (laughs) it's been sitting there dormant (laughs) yeah uh and like i'll go to like friday night magic at my local game store and i'll play a bunch of games with people that i've seen only in this context Mm -hmm. and know nothing about them beyond that and it still feels like a community because we're united by our passion for the game and that's all we talk about Mm -hmm. but it's also like i don't feel the need to follow up with these people and pursue like a deep and meaningful friendship if it happens cool Mm -hmm. um but i i still feel like there's that community there because we've we've had that shared experience um, and a shared experience that isn't trauma that's bringing people together what an idea um and um, and then you see that a whole bunch in in different uh, different circles of like there's uh, communities based on um, sports, based on sexual identity, based on political parties, like anything you can think of. There is a community that really like highlights that one part of your life, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't have to totally define like you don't have it doesn't have to be your be all and end all and like mm. community in a wider sense i think the community that i try to surround myself with from a social perspective is people that just are are there to support or like anybody comes into the into the from this like circle of people has an issue or is like is an artist and is doing something you go out and you support whether it's emotionally, financially, like you don't, I'm not saying you need to give money to everybody in your community. I mean, if you can afford it or you, you're like believing in tithing, but cool. <laughs> but you just like, 
just the the support and support doesn't always have to be like kid gloves like support can be i have a friend who was in a relationship that was particularly unhealthy and toxic for her and a lot of people on the outside were like i don't think this is what you're after but she didn't really see it and then uh it wasn't an intervention it was just a couple of friends kind of sat her down was like hey here's what we've noticed and we we don't think this is the best part of you that is is resulting from this relationship like you've you've changed man um and we we just have to tell you the hard truths mm-hmm. we love you but and and they they split up and the person was sad for a bit and then they just like blossomed into into the self that they were before not exactly yeah. the same because obviously yeah. like you said always moving forward mm-hmm. but was able to find someone who complimented their weirdness in in a non-toxic way and now they're all married and super happy and lovely and that's great and I mean, like that's fabulous and that's that's a, a triumph for the community of like mm-hmm. protecting one of its members and like there's a community of people that i've come become very close to over lockdown especially because they are they live relatively close to where i am we have a lot of similar interests but it's just that need for connection with more other humans mm. has meant like someone that was sort of in the periphery of, of my friend group uh, leading into lockdown is now one of my very best friends who I talk to like, th- we'll hang out like three times a week, mm. um, just like either play volleyball or um, like get on uh, discord and like, play shitty video games and all of these things and like it i can't remember where i was going with it but like the when when i'm in that community with that person and with the other people like them there's a safety in that there's a there's a comfort in that um and as a person who is anxious about everything all the time forever that's a really important part of uh the the groups of people that i want to find myself in I mean, talked about a lot about um, the pandemic and the lockdown and, and the big changes and just how the way that we've interacted with other people and friends has been permanently changed. Like we've, we've been through a big global trauma together and some people are handling it visibly better than others and, and sure. adapting to the sort of like, hey, let's jump on a Zoom call kind of uh, philosophy better than others. Mm. Um, I'm just wondering like how how you see uh, uh, friendship having changed. And obviously like you've been doing this podcast about friendship through that time. Like, yeah. So I, I think you'd have some really valuable insight on how that, that communication and how that community is built when yeah. the world is on fire. Huh. That's a really good question. It's a big question. I almost feel like that's one of those, like, I, I feel like I'm always trying to collect notes on like um, topics I could do kind of like deep dives or like, or like mini episodes on. And I think this is actually a topic I could talk very extensively about, but I think a short answer would be, um, I, I think what I've seen is that people have become much more um, like, how do I put it? It's like they have less 
close friends, but those friends are way more close. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, beforehand, you would just have lots of like acquaintances because you would see people out so much more casually. and You'd have bigger group stuff and you'd just get out there and you'd always be catching up with random people, you know. Mm -hmm. um, whereas now it feels like it's much closer circles, but those circles are really tight you know yeah. and um and they're not always physical you know like i'm i'm i really grew really tight with a couple of people who are like on the other side of the country you know and but we still maintain um you know texting or or you know we'll watch stuff and talk while we're watching together and you know those kinds of things right mm -hmm. but um but uh, but yeah i think what i've seen is the people who are at least willing to admit to the traumas i think have have um really recognized how little control we actually have in our lives, which is none, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and instead of letting that, uh, you know, control them and break them, they're instead leading into it, you know? And uh, I'm not one of those people, um, but like, um, you know, they're really letting it um, inform how they, how they show up for the people that they do show up. And they're really good at, like maintaining their boundaries and their energy levels, you know, this is something I'm working on, which is like actually recognizing what my capacity really is and not yeah. pushing through it to, to, to yeah. uh, like people please and stuff, you know, and I'm by no means anywhere where I would, uh, you know, ideally be, but like, I'm, I'm looking at it, you know, um, and, and I'm very, very, I don't want to say jealous, but it's like, I'm very inspired by people who, who who have done that work on their capacity and on their boundary work you know and and i think i've seen a lot of people wake up to that stuff through the pandemic you know because it was like i think we all jumped on zoom so fast and we were all so quick to like i remember in like the first week i was like at birth i went to like birthday parties on zoom and it was like this is hell this is this is the worst thing i've ever done in my entire life i would rather never see you ever then do this again you know and i think some people took that as a lesson of like oh yeah no i have to be really meaningful not just mindful but meaningful about who i stay connected with right yeah uh, absolutely and and yeah the, the self-discovery that comes from being in a lot of cases alone with yourself for yeah. a long period of time and mm -hmm. just reevaluating how much how many spoons you have throughout the day mm -hmm. and like with a few of my friends, we'll, we'll be planning a big old day. We'll go down to the beach and then we'll go to the bar, have a beer, and then we're going to go look at some art or something. Yeah. And at various points in the day, some people will tap out and just be like, hey, uh, I'm coming kind of out of batteries. It's great seeing you guys. I'm, I'll see you next time. Yep. And yep. before that would have been like <gasps> total faux pas for, yeah. for some people. I mean, some there are some people who have always been good at that. I, sure. I envy them. Um, but yeah just getting getting more in touch with the boundaries and the the limits and and what you're capable of mm -hmm. in a healthy way as opposed to and in in a really like self not i was gonna say self-centered but like something that that is really like starting from yourself as yeah. opposed to the rickety foundations of that have been and expectations that have been built around you um but self-centered is good. This is the thing. This is another element that I'm all, all, all about. Like, there is healthy ego. It should be self-centered. You know, like, like that's actually, to me, that is healthy framing. You know, like, mm -hmm. if you're framing it as, like, it's all about me because I'm the best, that's one thing. But if you're framing mm -hmm. it as, like, it's all about me because my 
health matters to me. And so I'm going to frame my health first. Like there's nothing better you could do. That's the best kind of self-centered, you know, is like, I'm going to be healthy and this isn't healthy for me so that I'm going to show up when I, when it's healthy for me, you know, like that's, those are the best people that put you around, you know, you might only see them once a month, but that is the best time of the month, you know? Um, um, so, you know, I believe in healthy ego deeply, you know, and I think I, if I've learned anything, especially recently, um, um, over the last couple of months, really, really recognizing like, you know, putting yourself first is, is, um, it can be an act of love, you know, for other people. Absolutely. Right. Um, because then you get to show up as your best self when you can show up, you know? Yeah, totally. And like, especially in social relationships, but work relationships as well. And that's Mm. becoming more, getting more into the conversation, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, Kat and I have a, um, a saying that we go to quite a bit, which is like secure your own mask before assisting others. That's exactly right from the from uh, the the pre-flight safety mm-hmm. announcements and it's mm-hmm. it's super true like mm-hmm. it seems people like oh you you like that's that's self-centered it's like yeah because i'm i have to drive this like meat temple around yeah i gotta make sure it's in good shape before i you know expose other people to it and inflict it upon other people mm-hmm. um so yeah totally a totally different thing and i think it's great yeah yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm just I'm just cognizant of the time. I think um, I think I just wanted I, I'll jump to the last big question um, before before we do, though, like before I do the little like, you know, the, the, the tips of the week segment, I just, you know, I really want to take an opportunity to like, you know, first say thank you. Like, thanks for reaching out. Thanks for taking the like, thank you for taking the impulse that, you know, I, I know I put out the call for guests and like, it really means a lot to me that, that you, that you wanted to come back and you wanted to reach out, you know, and, and, yeah. um, you know, so thank you to that too first, but also like, I just, you know, I, it, it, it really struck me through the interview that you're, you know, you, when you talked about like, yeah, we haven't spoken in like four years and, and, and it's amazing that, we pick up the call and it feels like it was four minutes, you know? Um, and, and I think that that's a sign of like, not just a good friendly friendship, but it's a sign that you're like, for lack of a better way of putting it, like a really good person, you know? And, uh, and I really, I really cherish the, like the friendship that we have and the connection that we have. And mm-hmm. even though it is only at this point, once every four years, like it's a really fucking good time when it, when we do connect. So, yeah. you know, I really, I love you, man. And I, yeah. I really, I'm really grateful for, for, for having you in my life, no matter how distant it may be. You know? yeah, and absolutely. And I, I love you too, man. And that's like, four more years four more. Um, <laughs> uh, like like I said like I I think you're in my thoughts often and even though we don't speak and like I've been listening to the podcast and I'm just constantly in awe of the amount of like self-reflection and the amount of like curiosity that you have and the and sort of the the fields that you're plowing in terms of like where you're putting your energy and, and the focus that you're having and seeing your journey mm. has really been inspiring. So yeah, I was, I jumped at the chance to come back. So thank you for having me back. Absolutely. I'm not just stuck in the vaults of the lost years. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. I really want everyone from that, for, especially from that first season. I want the back, you know, I want to do a catch up. Right. So, um, um, 
yeah, last last big question is, um, you know, I always love closing out the show with like a little like something that the listeners can try out or see what they could do. And so what do you think is one thing that people could try doing this week to be a better friend, either to themselves or to their community? I think definitely the the self check in the mm. it regardless of the situation, like just just getting down to reevaluating how much energy you have and where you want to put it. And it can be as, as simple as just like you're having a day out with friends and all of a sudden you feel like your batteries are drained. Just be honest about that and, yeah. and give yourself the, the respect and the care to, to take yourself away, plug yourself into the wall, literally or metaphorically, uh, and then come back when you're, when you're ready to roll. So yeah, just, just have a look inward and, and be honest with yourself about, what you can what you're up for mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, oh, thank and, you. and tell a friend you love them because that's always nice yes yes it's uh, you know i thank you thank you for both those because i think that those are like those are i think you vocalized two like core philosophies of my own and so it's just like it's really nice to hear that it's like okay that 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 does make sense and, and hearing it back i'm like oh yeah fuck yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go do that you know <laughs> like it's exciting um um, is there anywhere that you'd like listeners to find you? Do you want to stay mysterious? Do you want people to follow you? What would you like? I mean, I don't have much of a like online social persona presence. Like I am, I'm on Instagram, Dar Hasto, just the first three letters of each of my names. Love it. Um, and it's mostly pictures of my cat who <laughs> has his own Instagram, Sir Montague, all one word. <laughs> Um, follow him there because he's a, a big, fluffy, sugary boy. I'm pretty um, sure I follow him. I feel like I, I recognize the account. I, yeah, yeah. I, I love looking at my phone and just like it'll see like Sir Montague, you've got all of these interactions and all these people have done these things. And I go to mine and it's just like crickets. It's like, that's yeah. fine. Half the people are here for the cat anyway. I'm Super. not mad about it. So. <laughs> Well, Lizbeth, thank you so much one more time. You're the fucking best. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm never sure how to properly wrap these up. So I guess I'll just say I love you again, you know? And that's it. Thank you one more time to Darcy for coming back on the show. It was such a pleasure catching up with him, and I just wish him all the best on his health journey. And thank you for listening all the way to the end of the episode. I love you so much. If you could do me the kindness of rating and reviewing the show wherever you listen to it, give Friendless a five-star review. It's free, and it helps me out so much. And if you want more Friendless content, be sure to sign up for the Substack. You're going to get weekly updates, uh, 10 things that I'm proud of this week, as well as recommendations for books, movies, poetry, all kinds of fun stuff. I've been having an absolute blast writing it, um, and I think you will love it. So if you haven't signed up yet, please do so. There may or may not be some surprises coming down the pipeline for Christmas. So be sure to sign up now. All those links are in the show notes. But that is it for me. So I'm just going to wrap this up here. I am so excited about the next batch of episodes that are coming up. So I really hope to catch you back here soon. But I'm not going to worry about that now. And neither should you. Because that is then. And this is now. So for now, all I'm going to say is I love you. And I wish you well. Fun and safety, sweeties. <laughs>